Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. I don't know. I don't even really want to talk about movies. <laughs> like, I tried to half-ass to, like, do this, do this theme, and uh-huh. uh, I don't know. I didn't do a very good job. And I just mostly started thinking about Hubie Halloween and how much I hated that movie. You can go off on tangents. That's great. I know. I thought you said you loved Hubie Halloween. No, I fucking hated that stupid okay. piece of shit. Well, we'll just get. We'll get I don't know it. who said who said that, but it's fucking is awful. It's such a garbage piece of shit movie. And there'll well, be you... like defenders who'll be like, "It's exactly like Ernest, scared stupid," or like that this movie or that. also sucks. Ernest is like a lovable idiot. Yeah. And doesn't hurt anybody. He's also like learns things and is apologetic and like has some self-awareness. Mhm. Versus like Hubie Halloween is just like this awful town full of awful people and like this Hubie character is like what is he fucking supposed to be? Yeah. Like Ernest is like at least like a fully realized like person and hubie is just like i don't know there's something fucking like makes me not feel good about it and this is great this is great material where it's like we can have this theme and you just keep coming back to like your existential crisis about hubie halloween and how it's ruined your life well the idea was like hey are you tired of watching fun movies that are enjoyable well, try QB Halloween instead if you want to fucking love ruin this. your life in your day. Well, I'll be ta- I'll be taking it seriously, and you're just doing this. No, that was my whole gimmick. I was like, yeah. you tired of like the 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 fucking factory line of Spider-Man movies coming out every five months? Are you tired of different renditions of Peter Parker and hearing about power and responsibility and Uncle Ben constantly? Instead of Spider-Man, where everyone uh, loves spiders and men, uh, why not watch Arachnophobia? where a town is absolutely terrified and hell-bent on exterminating spiders at every cost. Perfect. Or every movie you say, like, you know what movie is overrated this? You know what could replace it? Hubie Halloween, even if they're not even remotely related. (sighs) I don't know the energy for that. Like, even, like, the stuff I just said to you, like, that's all I got. I don't have anything. (laughs) I will make it work. We could also do, like, a thing where we could talk about a little bit about Malignant, like, right now, and then tack that on the end and say like, and stay tuned for a spoiler filled discussion of malignant after the main episode. I don't even really have anything to say about that either. Okay. Then screw that. I don't know. I got nothing. I like saw a thing about time cop and how it's like the 27th anniversary of time cop or something. And I was like, ah, Van Damme plays a, a depressed man in the future. I can relate. (laughs) This is great. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. That's it, though. That's all I have to say. I don't have anything else. We'll get. We'll get. We'll. We'll. It'll come naturally. We'll make it work. I hate it. I hate podcasting. I hate movies, and I don't like kids. (laughs) I do. I guess what though? I fucking love this weather, and I love that everyone is scurrying into their homes. And I went to the fucking park, and the parking lot was only half full instead of like ninety-five percent full. It was awesome. This is great. And I read a fucking tweet from some dingleberry who's like, uh-oh, here comes the seasonal depression in the Northwest. Might be worth it to rent an Airbnb for the next three months and live somewhere else. 
I was like, good riddance. Get the <laughs> fuck out of my gloomy state and don't come back. I am so I love- sick of waiting in lines yes. and having to find parking and like crowds. And I will take all of those people. I know it, it, seasonal depression is a real problem and uh, is not fun. However, if it is a problem, move to Arizona. Yeah. Or New Mexico or Texas or go fucking live in a dry climate where it's sunny all the time. And I will take this state uh, in all its gloomy glory. Because when the weather is bad, all of the pressure of making the most of the day is removed. And I feel yeah. free to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. It's it's better. I feel like the like beautiful weather is just like creates a host of problems. Uh, you're going to have to go and compete with about 50 million other lunkheads. Right. Like, I want to go to the beach. Well, the parking lot's full. Well, it's fucking crowded full of kids and fucking people's, like, animals that they've poorly trained and have been irresponsible owners to. And you got to fucking, like, put up with all that bullshit. You'd say the pressure's off when it's gloomy. If it was nice, like, year-round, I think the pressure would be off, too, because, you know, here it's like, okay, we got two months of good weather. Like we gotta cram a like a whole year's worth. Yes, people are frantic to go on hikes and go to parks and do this and do right. that. Yeah, yeah. If it if it it would somehow equalize if the weather was more consistent. Like you can go to Hawaii in November, and there's still less people on the beach there than there is here in July. Yeah. Here we are once again, completely opposed to you. That's right, Elliot. It's the motherfucking trash heap podcast coming to you live on the internet which hopefully stays on and plugged in i heard the internet might be going down there's going to be some solar flares some solar activity oh wow and it could take the entire thing down so where'd you hear this uh some kind of science journal oh okay or uh that's cool the the new york post i say get rid of it get rid of the internet right now Oh, what a dream world that would be. I can't Let's even... Go. I love talking to people who were born uh, in like the mid to late 90s because they only know a world with the internet, even a world with like cable internet, right? They they bypass DSL and dial-up and all that shit. Do you know how much time I used to spend at the library? Because if you wanted to look something up, that's what you had to do. Oh, yeah. You had to go to the library to look up one thing. And you and loved one... looking up things. No, you got, well, I had insight. We had a set of encyclopedias. Well, yeah, but I mean like But that, not everything that... was in there, surprisingly. Right. Those are so big I... books, and you got volumes. You get like 50 books in a set or some shit. Right. Then you get, so then you get there, and you're like, well, I'm here. I might as well look up some other things, you know? That's what you did. Yeah. But now, but now I just Google it. I was never close enough to a library to be able to like go there of my own free will. And so, well, that's why I'm cultured, Keith, and you are like a just like a yeah, a country I'm a, bumpkin swine, yeah, a mouth breathing redneck. Well, that's 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 true, but hey, you know what? I accept you. I accept movies. I accept good movies. I accept bad movies. That's what we do. That's I love bad movies, about. but this is not a bad movie podcast. There's plenty no. of bad movie podcasts. I can go right. on Amazon or a Tubi or uh, even HBO and find a colossal piece of shit 
and sit in front of it like I'm Mystery Theater 5000 or whatever the fuck it's called. Right. And uh, and make fun of it. But it's way more fun to tell people they're wrong. Yeah. And say, hey, look at that that movie that you thought was a piece of shit. Guess what? Turns out it wasn't a piece of shit. That's You're right. the piece of shit. You are the piece of shit. Because <laughs> that's, entire... that's what the trash sheep is all about. That's right. We take these movies, the movies that you threw away, the little kids that you put up for adoption, proverbial movie children, and we adopt them. We we take them into foster homes, we nurture them, we give them a second chance. Uh, And that's what we do. We're like, we're true humanitarians. You might say we're American heroes, Keith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way, way more than that f- fucking Abraham Lincoln character. What's he ever Abraham done? who? Yeah. Um, so in this week's installment of The Trash Heap, we're going to do a, a, a special episode, it's right? A, I guess. Well, every episode's special. It's a, right, it's a fucking true. miracle that we keep putting these out. However, this is more of a thought exercise. Yes. A, a sociological experiment, or maybe philosophical. I don't know. So this is an episode we've talked about doing for a while. It was suggested um, by one of our fans. We do have a few. And the theme of this move, this episode is we're going to take an overrated movie, you know, something that we, that we feel is like gets a little too much credit, and we're going to take an underrated movie of a similar ilk to, to replace it. So overrated movies and underrated movies to replace them. What's an example of an overrated movie? Okay, so this I'm just I'm not going to say this movie's actually overrated. I'm just going to use it as an example to say, say someone thought Star Wars was overrated, and they're like, I think it's overrated, but I think Cruel, uh, that movie Cruel, is underrated. So I'm replacing Star Wars. Oh, Cruel. Crawl, crawl. Yeah, I, I thought you said cruel. I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, that other space swashbuckling movie. I'm not. This is not. This is not an example. I'm not. This is not a statement I'm making personally. I'm just saying one could you do this with those movies if they if they believe that. Yeah. Or are you sick of uh, fucking Mad Max and his stupid Australian accent and all the car crashes and the kinetic uh, direction of George Miller? Are you tired of that entire series? Great. Instead, you should watch Steel Dawn, starring Patrick Swayze as sort of a future apocalyptic Conan with a bladed weapon wandering through the wasteland, doing a very similar thing to Mad Max, but far less annoying and way more thoughtful and introspective. Is that one you is that one you're actually proposing or just using it as no an i like mad max i like okay. all the mad max ripoff movies too yeah but that and was that's just the, thing. the first example i could think of you're tired of watching all these hard-edged uh, cop dramas watch uh police academy instead right the, and that's the thing like the movies that we're talking about here the movies we're or saying running are, scared oh, with uh gregory hines and uh billy crystal, billy crystal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah great great <laughs> Uh, the movies we're talking about here that we're saying are overrated. We're not necessarily... Are you tired necessarily- of Rush Hour? Oh, my God. Have you, have you had enough Rush Hour to last you a lifetime of fucking uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker? Well, Those you are can genuinely overrated movies. Collision Course instead, starring oh Jay God. Leno and Pat Morita. Are these good examples? Is uh, I do Chris- think the Rush Hour movies are 
are genuinely overrated movies. I don't know if I'd replace it with Collision Course. People really uh, like those movies, though. I know. They're it's always weird. on TV, and they were yeah. monsters. They made so much fucking Huge money. Huge hits. Like, that's the most popular Jackie Chan movie, like, in America. Like, More popular your... than The Tuxedo? I don't yeah. believe it. But yeah, these movies that we're talking about are overrated. They're not necessarily, we're not saying they're bad movies necessarily. We're just saying that maybe they get a little bit too much credit. And there's a movie of a similar. Uh, yeah, just plot. over, I mean, even beyond overrated, I would call them oversaturated. Yeah. Right? Sure, you want something absolutely. similar, but like maybe more original or interesting or underseen. Mm-hmm. I've always had a problem with that term overrated because essentially it boils down to. Too many people like this thing for my taste. Right. It's yeah, like, well, true. that's yeah. like kind of a non-opinion. Like that's for that's like a, for people who can't like think critically in any or articulate their thoughts in any way. The the kind of people that turn to people like us to articulate their thoughts for them. That's right. Because <laughs> you can't do it for yourself. I'm the you need villain us. in this story. <laughs> It's good cop, bad cop, right? You're the oh you're the good. good cop. I think I'm going to become the bad cop. I think I might ruffle some feathers. Before I'm going to be the here. bad cop. You I got a get real attitude bed. problem. I'm also That's like right. I've, I have so much caffeine and zinc inside me right now. I could probably like wrestle a bear. You're on your you're on your third heart transplant. You're 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 pushing fifty. Your I wife had a wants blood, a divorce. I had a blood transfusion. And it was the blood of a much younger man, and so I feel incredible. It's high, high octane, crazy, crazy blood. Does that work? I mean, it worked in Fury Road, so that's good enough for me. Man, I gotta get some young blood. George Miller was a doctor at one point. So that's true. If he is, he's got something medical related in his movies. I'm just going to assume that it's real world accurate. All right, works for me. Sidebar: I was yeah. just threw on Fury Road. Just apropos of nothing, I, I love that all the stupid war boys are making like car sounds throughout the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, and they're, they're, they're stupid vehicle related catchphrases. It's part of the whole charm of the movie, but they're like, to each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> that's one of those things like i imagine on set when he's like okay now everyone do this and like so there has to be somebody who's part of the movie going like oh my god what have i gotten myself into because you know when you can't necessarily see like the you're not necessarily seeing what the finished product is going to look like and how they're going to pull all this together yeah like, you're maybe... just in the moment with everyone dressed up fucking ridiculously like, on these absurd like... sets all right, now you over there go vroom, vroom, vroom as loud as you can, and then everyone else go, yeah, and then Charlie's Theron's sitting on the other side and be like, I've made a horrible mistake. Yeah. And then the movie turns out awesome, but I can definitely see that happening. Yeah. And, I mean, what I'm trying to say is I want to see more movies where people are acting like uh, machines or animals or... Like Animorphs? No. So I got to tell you, Keith, I'm not. Ex- this is another sidebar. I'm not a hundred percent sure what animorphs are. I people that... talk about it all the time, but I'm not sure if it was a show, like a comic book, a series of like choose your own adventure books. Like I don't know what it is, and I feel I I never go like, oh yeah, I don't know. I, I never say what it is. I just go like, oh yeah, animorphs, right? Yeah, uh huh. I just play along, like I know what they're talking about. I missed the Animorphs train. Like I had a little bit of an awareness of it, but it was definitely not like in my wheelhouse. I was more like a 
Power Rangers, VR Troopers, Big Bad Beetleborgs. What was the other one? Where the guy looked like a fucking locust. Uh, Masked Rider. You know, oh, yeah. All those uh, Japanese shows where they, yes. they fucking replaced the Asian characters with corny white people. Yes. I remember I remember Big Bad Beetleborgs. I don't remember VR Troopers. Oh, VR Troopers was arguably the weirdest one of all. But yeah, Animorphs was like, I believe it was a show. And I think there was also some, maybe some young adult novels or something okay. like that. But it, yeah, it's about people transforming into animals. I got that. I just didn't know really beyond that. But people seem to be talking about Animorphs a lot again lately. Have you I mean, you're that? you're trying to get me to... Like you're trying to convince me that you've never looked up Animorphs on Wikipedia and spent like a lonely night just learning the entire history about so it. And I don't buy th- that for a second. That's fair because that does sound like something I would definitely do. I'm, But I'm being genuine. I haven't done that. I've been on the verge of it and then I get distracted or something. Like it's not something I wouldn't do. It's surprising that I haven't done it. I'm surprised myself. It just kind of came up naturally in this conversation, and uh, I just wanted to get your take on it. I mean, I'm I'm not against people transforming into animals, but to what I'm, end? I'm very pro. How do we avoid a Island of Dr. Moreau type scenario? Why do you want to avoid that? I want to fully engage. I don't. They were kind of upsetting to look at. Yeah, they were, and that, that well, were, yeah, and the uh, well, what you're talking about the the Marlon Brando version? Yeah. Yeah, but if you like, what's that? Bert, then the Burt Lancaster one, they're totally fine. Burt Lancaster, no one knows yeah. about that. That's such an old movie. You're the king of old movies. There like, you go. Like, you know a lot about older movies that people you, don't care about. You know what, actually? I there were, One of the movies I considered putting on this list uh, for our underrated, overrated, but then I just kind of forgot about. Was, I'm sure it had Burt Lancaster or fucking, uh, you know, Peter Sellers in it. It didn't. It had <laughs> some people in it, but it's the like from the sixties or fifties, like early sixties, late fifties, the original haunting. Oh yeah. Which is everyone's like, Oh, it's the great blah 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 blah. I never watched it. I started watching it the other day. And it was so boring. I got about twenty, thirty minutes in and I was like, Nope. So I was thinking about putting that one on and then I just forgot about it. I until... think that's part of the charm of old movies though, is that they are boring. No, but and I'm then just saying there's like, like one scare. Yeah, but I mean, like you, like there's you like just said, like one big scare, and everyone's like, "Oh, the scariest movie of all time." Like you just said, that like I'm, I'm, I'm cool with old movies. I'm down with them. Uh, I was not down with this. Not, not into it at all. So it, it was, I thought about it, but I, I also was so unenthused about it that I just even forgot about even it being a contender for this episode. Wow. So minus five stars is what you're saying. Right. I'm going to talk about one. I'm going to talk about my first choice for an overrated movie and an underrated movie to replace it. And I'm, and this is my first choice. I am taking child's play from 1988 as an overrated movie. And I'm replacing it with child's play from 2019. You dastardly son of a bitch. That's right. Now, I'm not saying child, the original Child's Play is a bad movie. I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun, but it's not perfect. There's a lot of things in it that I think don't work. And I genuinely think that the 
2019 remake is better. And I can I can get into it why. Is and wait, is that is the remake the one where they're in the mansion? Oh no. no. You're talking about No, I'm thinking of uh, Cult of Chucky. Uh, right, yeah. You're talking no, that, about the the remake with uh Atlanta. Yeah, where Chucky is like a he's like an Apple Watch or some shit. Yes, exactly. Like, oh no, my watch is, is saying the wrong time and now it says it's going to kill me. So I know everyone's probably familiar with these movies in general. You know, you got the first child's play and in the first child's play uh, a serial like a, killer okay. using a voodoo ritual in order to transfer himself into the body of another. Uh, he's hoping to occupy the body of a little boy. Instead, he lands inside of a goddamn doll. What a hilarious no, he, setup. What a, what a twist. So what he happens a in... Doll. So basically in the remake... Like I you love just remakes, said, like, but I didn't see Chucky it. is essentially an Apple Watch. He's a He is an <laughs> AI toy that has like Bluetooth capabilities... And literally, he stops tracking your steps. You know that the, you know we're going to compare it to The Simpsons again, like we did last week. Do uh, you know that episode of The Simpsons where it's the Halloween <laughs> Treehouse of Horror? Somebody set this doll to evil. Yep, where like the crusty doll becomes evil because it's just got switched from good to evil. That's pretty much essentially what happens. In... And he's married to another doll, and they live yes. in the dollhouse. <laughs> they live in the dollhouse. No, we like. Chucky dolls are being manufactured with these like crazy AI chips in China. And then like some working grunt, his boss goes like, hey, you're fired. End of your shift, pack up and go home. And he goes like, well, I'll show him. And he turns off like all the safety parameters on the Chucky doll. You know, all the stuff that says like, don't strangle, don't do this, don't do that. And it's kind of a goofy setup. But it really works because so one, I... So it goes online and starts researching like serial killers. No, well, so that's that's actually what's kind of great about it is the way the doll becomes evil is kind of organic to the story, right? So this kid gets the Chucky doll, and at first it's just fine, and it's voiced by Mark Hamill. He does a great job. But, like, the first time the, the Chucky doll st- starts to cross the line is, like, it's designed to react to the way kids are behaving, and it's like, oh, the kids are laughing. Well, I'm going to do stuff like that, and I'm going to please the kids, and blah, blah, blah. So the the kid is the owner of the Chucky doll in this one, and his friends are watching some like goofy slasher movie, you know, like Friday the Thirteenth s type movie, and they're all laughing because the kills are goofy and stuff. And then the Chucky doll is watching it with him, is like looking at the TV screen, looking at the kids, and he's like, "Oh, this is what they like." And like one of the killer in the movie makes some sort of like uh, Freddy Cougar like like. Uh, type one-liner about like i'm gonna slice you up bitch whatever and then so the chucky doll goes to the kitchen and gets a knife and and comes up and he's like ha 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 i'm gonna slice you up bitch and they're like whoa chucky what are you doing and then the chucky doll is confused because he's like well i thought you liked it when people got stabbed and then it just kind of escalates from there so it has like it's like at first, I thought the kind of concept of like, oh, great, so Chucky's going to be an AI, and that's and he's going to take over all other Chucky dolls and robots and stuff. How 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 clever! Is this? I thought it was going to be dumb. They did a really good execution of it. Mark Hamill's the voice of Chucky. He's great. They really balanced like the goofiness and the comedy and the scares. I think much better than the first one does as a whole because the first one. The first one's not very funny, actually. It takes itself really seriously, but then it's just inherently so goofy at times that it feels uneven. There's some really good 
parts in the movie, like some good scares, some good moments, but some things just do not work. And I think a lot of it has to do with how Chucky is portrayed for me anyway. Like I think one of the fatal flaws is that when like you find like at first you're, it's not, they don't like, it makes it somewhat ambiguous if it's actually the doll doing it, the stuff, or maybe it's the kid, or maybe there's another person pretending to be a doll and the doll just kind of has a blank doll face expression. See, and then I think when you, that if you would have gone into that movie cold when it originally came out, sure. I think it that would have uh, had a different impact on you. No, I think that's that portion is great. I think that's really done really well. When you have the switch, one thing I don't like is the way the Chucky face completely changes. Like it, it goes from looking like a doll's face to looking like a deformed human face. Oh yeah, plastered. all of a sudden these like muscles that didn't right. seem like they were there like spring to life. And to me, what's to me what's creepy about like I think killer doll movies are usually bad, but when they're most successful is the stuff where you don't realize it's it's ambiguous. Is the doll actually doing something? When the do- the doll's face looking like a doll's face is creepier than a creepy looking doll face. You know what I mean? Well, if that's the case, then your underrated movie to replace it should have been Pin. I don't know what that movie is. You don't know Pin? Pin? About the me- the medical doll? No. Like the life-size medical doll that uh, I could have swore you were the one who told me about it. No, I no, I've never heard of this movie. <clears throat> yeah, there's this movie called Pin and it's about like a life-size like medical doll that looks like it basically looks like a person with the skin ripped off. Uh, mm-hmm. and it seemingly has come to life, but it's a, like, is it alive or not? And it, like, shows up in weird scenarios yeah. and, like, moves around, and, yeah, it's a big medical doll. Oh, not, that sounds interesting. I'd check it out. It I is. Mean, it's uh, super interesting. That uh, that movie Magic with uh, Anthony Hopkins is kind of similar, where it's, like, it's a ventriloquist dummy killing people, or is it just Anthony Hopkins killing people? as the and it's like they pretty early on like it's like okay it's anthony hopkins doing the actual killing but there's a level of ambiguity there um same in that movie the boy uh but yeah i think it's much scarier when you have when the doll has just a doll's face rather than this contorted evil face same with like clowns like demon clowns are not as scary as just a regular faced clown yes i I I will agree with that i think people really are confused about uh, the whole clown scenario. And also, like, Brad Dorif is the voice of Chucky in the first one. I love Brad Dorif, but I cannot get over the fact that his he's not using his regular voice, and his voice that he's using for Chucky sounds exactly like Danny DeVito. And more specifically, it sounds like Danny DeVito when he's doing the voice of Unky Herb on The Simpsons. What's wrong with Unky Herb? He's a lovable character. Nothing's wrong with... I love Unky Herb. I'm just saying I can't get over the fact that when I'm watching this movie, all I can think about is Unky Herb. And I'm like, Unky Herb, why are you trying to kill these kids? Because they took all his money. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said, I like Child's Play. I think... I think... uh, But I think, yeah, particularly the first one doesn't really find that tone. You get on to, like, Child's Play 3 which is like objectively a trashier movie, but 
it balances the silliness with the scares better, I think. Oh, it's perfect. The trailer sets the tone so perfectly. I love the... I, I could just... I'm just going to talk about this trailer because I love it so much. It, Do it. It's like, it's like something, something military academy, hell on earth, and it's about to get worse. Right. Because Andy's like in a military school. <laughs> That's such a like, we had this idea in the 80s because like it was all about like, oh, you've got disciplinary problems, young man. We're sending you to military school. Mm-hmm. And he goes there and then Chucky just... I think Chucky mails himself there. He does some somehow. Like how does he, yeah, he mails himself? They do a great riff on that in uh, Curse of Chucky, I think. Mm-hmm. I get them confused. There's Cult of Chucky and Curse of Chucky, but whatever the, the uh, most recent one was on Netflix where uh, he starts mailing himself to different people, and it's great. And I wanted, I so badly wanted to see a sequence where he's just like, mass-produced his consciousness into Chucky dolls and is just mailing them to every house in America and just like mm-hmm. a wholesale slaughter of everybody across the nation. That would yeah. have been such a mind-blowing scene. They didn't do it, but no, it was still like a really exciting concept, the idea of him just <laughs> shipping himself out. But yeah, actually, that sounds pretty cool, and I'll probably give that a watch. Uh, I was very the, pleasantly surprised with it. There's a backlog of movies on Netflix that I need to check out, and I think I'll just add that to the pile for this yeah. fall viewing season. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. It's like, I think it was a movie that, like, I don't know, like, it, it kind of flew under the radar. It didn't really make, I mean, it didn't seem like a lot of people saw it and, like, kind of dismissed it the same way I did initially, where I was like, okay, cool, AI Chucky updated for the 21st century, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's good. It's solid. Like I said, everyone's good in it. Mark Hamill is great. I think the Chucky doll is inherently creepier itself just because of the blank expression it has most of the time. Um, Until the, But the eyes turn red at one point, They right? do turn red at one point. They go That's from, true. They go from blue to red. That's how you know it's evil. Just like in... Yeah. Where did they do that? A short circuit? He got the red eyes and they did the mean eyebrows. Right, you yeah. You got to know when he's evil, see? Mm-hmm. But yeah, check it out. It's a good movie. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll All do right. it. You convinced me. There we go. Well done. Oh, that's what I... Courts adjourned. What you... Do you got any? You got one, Keith? Yeah. Man, are you tired of robot movies where you can't see the robot or tell what's going on or all the kids look too old and overdeveloped to be in high school? Well, have I got the movie for you? What movie are you hate, talking about? So I hate the trans Michael Bay's Transformers series. Yes. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction, The Last Night. Look at all these goddamn movies. Jesus Christ. They they the collectively collectively those movies have made nearly five billion dollars. Five billion. Five billion. And I, you know, I am not a Michael Bay detractor per se. I like some of his movies. I think he knows how to handle action. However, these Transformers movies are an eyesore and not enjoyable. And there's the sequel with the fucking uh, Constructicons have the big set of balls just wagging in your face. And it's so fucking dumb and awful. And the human characters are awful. And uh, if anyone enjoys those, uh, you're a piece of shit. 
You're, you're <laughs> a bad person. So instead of watching those god-awful Transformers movies, why not give Bumblebee a shot? Man, you're on, you've, you love Bumblebee. I think Bumblebee is fucking tremendous. Not only is it everything we anyone ever wanted as far as recreating the Generation 1 Transformers, like the, mm-hmm. the cool sound effect, the, the way the Bumblebee and the other Transformers transform, like their, their depictions are all spot on and awesome, and it makes the transformations look cool and look realistic, like they would actually work, just like the action figures. Everything's brightly colored. And the tone of the movie has like a like an Amblin entertainment kind of vibe to it. It's like a, a plucky, young, independent, uh, you know, I think she's a teenage girl. Yeah. You know, just trying to make it make it through through life and uh and she meets Bumblebee and befriends him cuz she wants uh, a car. She's gifted a car by an an elderly mechanic and it turns out there's a robot inside. It's just a lot of fun. It has a lot of heart. There's great action sequences. John Cena is the the jarhead, you know, government military villain. He's great in it. It's uh, just overall, it's just an enjoyable movie. It's a great movie for you know, people who are old enough to be fans of the original Transformers, you can share it with kids now. It's not too scary or upsetting or, uh, you know, too far over their head. Uh, it's just genuinely fun and enjoyable. And uh, I agree. Like, I don't find anything enjoyable in the Michael Bay uh, ones. Like, nothing. No. They they take themselves hyper seriously, but then also have, like, the weakest, like, goofy slapstick comedy that's like one not funny and just seems completely out of tone for the rest of the movie like that one i think it's in the second movie where one of the giant robots has testicles and like john tutorial's like i'm under the robots balls but then it's also taking itself hyper seriously at the same time and there's nothing enjoyable the action scenes are just so overdone and bland and no, they're the, going on. the definition of like you can't see what the fuck is going on because they're the Transformers were over designed. Yes. Like they have all these like shimmering like like a robot would not design something like that. Right. And I know I said this a lot in the, the Dark Fate episode, but like it seems like something a person would design and it doesn't read well visually. Like it just no. becomes this mass of texture and you can't see like everything is lost. Everything unique and defining, uh, all the personality. But you have that here in Bumblebee, and it's great. And you even get a cool origin story about why Bumblebee can't talk. Uh, right, yeah. Which is, that's great. Like, all the shit's here. All of it. And it's I, it opens with a epic action scene. Like, yeah. you get the all the Transformers... Uh, are about to die on uh, fucking Cybertron and they send Bumblebee to Earth and the, the Decepticons are chasing after Bumblebee and he's got to escape. And it's awesome. There's a great fight scene. Bumblebee proves uh, itself a very strong and capable warrior and not just a comic relief character. And you get you get Optimus Prime, you get Starscream, you get the boombox guy, uh, Soundwave. Uh, it's all here. Everything Agreed. you could ever want in a Transformers movie, plus like a feel-good story, likable characters. No one's like a fucking Dingleberry. Yeah, 
Uh, but yeah, it, and when that one came out, I think maybe people were just so burnt out on like the shitty Transformer movies that they didn't even care about that one and didn't get widely seen. It didn't seem like. But if that had been the first movie in the franchise, oh man. Oh, it would have been. We would have gotten ten movies like that, and it would have been amazing. There's also a great yeah. motif of if you like the the motif of music in Baby Driver, mm-hmm. uh, you get kind of a similar thing here but it's more tuned into uh, Bumblebee being a radio yeah, or having a radio rather and using it to communicate. And it's a lot of fun. Like, it's just like, a, it's just like an enjoyable movie. Like it's very satisfying. Totally. Do you know who directed the movie? I don't know. Probably a robot, like a, so tra- like a camera there- that turns into a robot. So it's directed by Travis Knight, who is the son of the founder of Nike. So Travis Knight is also was, is, is was the president of Leica Studios, which is the stop motion animation studio. That basically his dad just bought him a movie studio. Nice. He was like, Dad, I want to make movies. Like, okay, here's some money. Go start a movie studio. And he did. He directed Kubo and the Two Strings, produced a lot, all the Leica movies. So there you go. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, nepotism aside, like if you get just something handed to you, it's super yeah. easy to fall flat on your face. But uh, well, also he did true. But also think about it, like when you tr- we talked about how the Transformers transform in this one versus how they transform in the Michael Bay ones, which in Michael Bay's doesn't even really look like they're like one thing turning into another by repositioning itself. It just kind of like gets gooey and changes. It looks like a pile of like junk from the junkyard, just like random metal shards, like just right. wiggling around. It's awful. Where in, where in this one, you actually have like the clunky like pieces moving like uh, uh, repositioning themselves yes and the guy came from a stop-motion animation background which is like well that's kind of how you do it it's slow and deliberate and then it makes this visual this thing CGI and like, is also tremendous it's very good it's really good. everything is lit well everything's got great textures nothing really looks rubbery everything is solid and has weight to it it's awesome. I originally I, I had no intention of watching that movie. I was like, I don't care about Bumblebee. I fired it up on Hulu one day and was just had my shit rocked. Yeah, you know that thing where you see the someone sitting on a couch and the, their TV screen is glowing and like mm-hmm. the movie starts and they're just like their eyes get big and their hair starts blowing back. Yes, that was me. I was getting my hair. Blowing I'm into back. it. Oh, this is great. Yeah, God, God bless Bumblebee. The greatest movie of all time. <laughs> it's pretty good. I want to watch it again. Yeah, it's best in the series. It's- I have a couple honorable mentions that I want to talk about, bef- not in depth, because these were ones that were like, I was thinking about doing, and I want to mention them. I don't want to get in, in depth. So I have a few on here that I want to talk about like that. One is, I was taught, re- replace Revenge of the Nerds with the movie Three O'Clock High. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds is a movie that I never really got the appeal of. Uh, it's fine. It's like a it's like a crappier Animal House, and I'm not even an Animal House is not even like that great. It's like John Belushi's really good in it, and the rest of the movie is just kind of like okay. Uh, it's weird. Like I, there's nothing. To, I, I don't have anything to get, get behind. The characters are pretty forgettable in my opinion, except for uh, Robert or Keith Carradine. One of the Carradines. It's Robert. Robert Carradine is, and then like the the dude from Bloodsport who just yells nerds all the time. Like that's it. That's all you got. I can't tell you what happened in the movie. Um, oh, the good-looking jocks are mean to the smart guys, and yeah. did the smart guys get their revenge and 
take their women and make a bunch of money and stuff and do they do drugs and like they end up just like being exactly like the the jocks and the exactly like frat guys right it's like they just switch places it's pathetic yeah dude it's not good i don't like it it's got that weird like it also laid the groundwork for nerds to come into power in the modern sense which i'm not a fan of no uh no and like yeah it's got that weird like you know like he dresses up as darth vader to like fuck the jock's girlfriend because she thinks it's him and like but then at the end of it, she's fine with it when she finds out it's not him because it's the best sex she's yeah, ever she had. Yeah, she caught the good thing. dick game, even though it was... Right. It was and it's like, that's just not cool. Dishonest. Like, yeah. yeah. I know that it's, was a big thing in the 80s movies, but like you can't... like It's ugh. it's crazy okay. how tricking women into sex was like such a... like. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just people... They put so much effort in like theatrics and like, mm-hmm. like effort into it. It's so strange. And like and I didn't... Just, I didn't clock it when I was a kid because, like, well, I was no, just like, because you were a kid. Ah. Yeah, but the it's, fact that you've... it's like a twelve-year-old would be like, "Oh my god, dressing up like Darth Vader and having sex is so cool." So yeah, check out Three O'clock High though. It's got Casey Semesco, Semesco. Uh, you know, he's he was in um, he was one of the bullies in Back to the Future. Uh, he's in a he was in a he was in like a handful of stuff in the eighties. Kind of a good little character actor who never who kind of just faded out. Was he's he great. in summer school? Uh he might be. Or I don't really. The, or does it? There's like that raspy voiced kid in summer school that looks uh, exactly like him. I've only seen summer school like once or twice a long time ago, so I, I can't. I don't remember it super well. We should do an episode on that movie because it's so fucking strange. It's we'll good do. in a lot of ways, but it's just fucking like baffling in some other ways. And it also it. it also tackles I think like for a a dumb screwball comedy, it actually tackles some like very modern problems like being a single mother or like uh the guy who like works at a night job at a strip club. Mhm. Like just some very like sort of fringe lifestyle issues that are now I think way more relevant. I'm into, I'm into doing that. We yeah, should do let's that. do an episode. On, I can't. Right. I can't believe like what I just spit out of my mouth. Like all of that's true. Summer summer's over. We're gonna do summer school. Yeah, welcome to fall. It's time to go back to summer school. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he like he's he he plays a bully, a, a kid who's like trying to avoid a bully the whole day. Like the bully challenges him to a fight at the end of school. So it all takes place in one day. Nerdy kid, much better, much more realistic nerd than. Uh, the Revenge of the Nerds kids. I don't think saying like you always have to be realistic, but it really works here. And it has comes to a very satisfying conclusion. Uh, like very like, like if you want to get amped up for like the good guys versus the bad guys at the end, this is much better than uh, Revenge of the Nerds in my opinion. Um, another honorable mention I wanted to say is replace the professional, Luke Besson's The Professional with... Uh, Takashi McKay's Blade of the Immortal. Both are about an assassiny type character who takes on a young uh, female protege. One is really good. That is Blade of the Immortal. One is not very good and kind of creepy, but still really popular. And that is The Professional. I never got the appeal of The Professional. Uh, I never cared for it. It's creepy. Like their relationship is not wholesome. It's 
not good. Like it's just weird. Yeah, and if not... you know the a lot of the sort of a backstory with Luc Besson and mm-hmm. young girls and all that, it uh, it definitely makes it like not not fun to watch. And although Gary all, Oldman is unbelievable, he's fucking great in it. He's, he's great. He's so good. You know, another thing about that movie too is like people are like, oh, action classic. I don't think the action is very good in it. I don't think the action is very good in most Luc Besson movies. And he kind, I think, it was just kind of like it came out at that time period where it was the height of, you know, like American audiences or a certain subset of American audience being like, oh, this movie's foreign. Well, therefore, it is better. You know, well, it's also uh, like the action is stylized in a way and borrows a lot of Hong Kong kind yes. of sensibilities that people had not seen yet, right? We right. were just, it was just before the big kind of action explosion of the mid 90s. And mm-hmm. when, you know, John Woo movies and things like that were really, obviously he was already making movies in Hong Kong, but he would finally make it to the United States. And and then those those Hong Kong movies became available to, more readily available to an American audience. So you're watching movies that are 10 years old, but they are new to you. Type yeah, of thing. and they're super fresh. That style of yeah. gunplay, uh, the way, uh, you know, bullets like uh, fire into walls and spit out plaster and concrete, uh, that, that just wasn't done in... American action movies. So it did offer something fresh, but it's more made up of moments rather than sequences. Uh, yeah. You know, like a slow motion dives and stupid bullshit like that. You know, s- certain standoff uh, setups and things like that were just not done. Or those, the sort of like long angles of, you know, super up close to the barrel, the gun, you know, looking down the arm of the person holding the gun. All of those little hallmarks were just not seen. So I see why people thought it was very fresh and and all that. But if you knew, you know, if you were any sort of connoisseur of action movies, it wasn't that that sort of landmark. But I guess the, the story of, uh, you know, what is it like to be this sort of elite level killer that's almost like, um, you know, it's like the Seinfeld interpretation of a hitman. Like, oh, he does his exercises and waters his fucking plant. and Right, yeah. I mean, it's like the, maybe there's the good elements, but the execution is just not there. You know, that's why it's, in my opinion, overrated. Blade of the Immortal um, is based on a Japanese uh, comic book. And Professional has a very comic booky type feel. It might be based on, I don't know if it's based on previous material or not, Uh but it's based on a Japanese comic book that was very popular, that got turned into a popular anime, and then this movie came out, directed by Takashi Miike, who is most famous for the audition, very prolific uh, Japanese director. This was billed as his 100th directorial credit, and it was supposed to be a big deal, and at least in America, uh, it just would just completely just came and went, and it's great. If you want to talk about a good action movie, the action scenes of this are great. It's about, like, this it takes place in ancient Japan. It's this, uh, about a cursed swordsman who has been cursed by this person uh, where, to the point where it's, it's very difficult to kill him. It's not impossible, but killing him is very hard. And he, it's almost like a Highlander-esque type scenario. And he just kind of, like, has been wandering the countryside for hundreds of years getting into shenanigans and again gets involved 
in the much a story bigger than himself essentially and it's much better than the professional though very similar in a lot of ways even though the settings and are different and the supernatural element doesn't exist in the in the professional like the the, the dynamics and setup and basic concept of the story have a lot in common but it, in my opinion way better so that's another honorable mention sensational Fuck all those movies. You got you got any honorable mentions or anything else you want to mention? Along the lines of uh, uh, school movie, I don't know any overrated school-related movies. I mean, pretty much all of them. <laughs> how about how about Accepted? Uh, Accepted is a stupid movie about kids who make up a school because they can't get into the colleges they want. And right. at first it's a party school. And then along the way, they learn how to learn and become better people and whatever the fuck. And it's not funny. And it's a fucking no. piece of shit. That was and pretty popular. Instead, I don't even know if it was popular. I just I watched think, it one it day pop- and it bothered me. It's not one of those movies I think that was popular in the theater, but like it was readily available to stream on every platform. So lots of people have seen it and we're like, oh, that was good. I liked it. It was funny, but it's not very good. Yeah, it's got Jonah Hill and it's got the the fucking Justin Long from Mm -hmm. Jeepers Creepers. And I like Justin Long, actually. I think he's pretty good in Drag Me to Hell and Mm -hmm. some other movies. But yeah, Accepted sucks. So instead of watching Accepted, you should watch uh, 1990s Class of 1999. Oh my God! Yeah, it's directed by Mark Lester. Uh, this is the follow-up to his sort of seminal film, uh, Class of 1984, which is kind of known for its uh, dark portrayal of modern education and uh, a future where you know gangs and violence, uh, you know, control schools and teachers have to you know defend themselves violently if you know in a a battle for survival, and uh, it has a lot to say about society and blah blah blah. Class of 1999, however, is an awesome movie where American high schools have become actual war zones. Uh, They're controlled by gangs, and uh, because everyone's fighting for survival, the military or uh, some kind of uh, robot corporation, whatever the fuck, sends in essentially battle robots undercover as teachers to get control of the students, and they do by murdering them violently. And yes. uh, the main character is an ex-gang member who just got out of jail, and he's back in school, and he's trying to keep it together, uh, trying to protect his little brother, and uh, they have to fight for survival against these military robots that look like Pam Greer. And it's pretty unbelievable. There's some great uh, robot effects and gore effects, and there's tons of shootouts, and uh, it's great. I liked it. Yeah, I, it's I a, agree. It's, it's a, a science a fiction movie. epic for the ages, and it has one, also- of, one of the best end fights between a uh, high school student and robot that you're likely to see the best end fights between high school student and robot you're likely to see because <laughs> of all the stiff competition uh it is funny i like i like both of those movies um 84 and 90 uh class of 99 it's funny that you know the class of 1984 came out in 1982 so it takes place like two years in the future and it's like yeah. oh this is where we're headed like, real yeah, things are going down the down the toilet and it's real literally quick. just like oh the schools are filled filled with like gangs yeah and not like and not like real gangs like not the crips not the bloods it's just like those movie gangs of people with like punk haircuts and but they're also wearing a blazer with the sleeves rolled up. Yeah, so it's like this, like those bizarre. And they got a like, switchblade, and like no one yeah. can see me. They're seemingly invincible and impervious to 
discipline and and like always get off with everything like well we can't expel him even though he stabbed the kid to death because you violated teacher protocol when you grabbed his hand yeah my my hands are tied here johnson it's all the red tape (laughs) so that's the first movie where it's like not necessarily realistic but still grounded in the real world essentially and and the sequel's just like straight up robots yeah and there's actually a third sequel that's even goofier and actually oh, right, less yeah. enjoyable i think class of 99 like hits the hits all the right notes like playing it mostly straight with uh just a handful of kind of gags and and absurdity but do if you know you, kind of a dark grungy dirty sci-fi movie it uh, you could do a lot worse do you know who wrote the screenplay for class of 1984 i do not tom holland who directed the original child's, child's play, play. Yeah, and all comes night. full circle that's right. Yeah. So there you go. That's a good. That's a good choice. I like that for an honorable mention. Yeah, class of nineteen ninety nine is usually available for streaming. Also, like it's pretty pretty common across the board on like yeah. free streaming services like say Tubi and Crackle, uh, and it's probably available on like Hulu or Amazon. So definitely check it out uh, if you get some free time. Yeah. Well. Okay. So next on my list, I have. I have two overrated movies that I'm going to replace with one movie. Wow, this better be good. Oh, you're going to be you're going to hate it. I'm replacing two Wes Craven movies. How dare you? I'm replacing Last House on the Left. The man's not even here to defend himself against your your slings and arrows. Well, I'm sorry. I waited for this moment where he wouldn't be around. So I'm I pretty sure Wes him. Craven could kick your ass if he wanted to. Yeah, probably. He would just pay someone to do it. He was like six three. I'm, I, he'll he'll pay someone to do, I, and I'll actually get to that in a moment about when I get because because I'm replacing Last House on the left and the hill the original Hills Have Eyes with a movie called Calvaire, which is French for the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> the Last House on the left is one of those movies where you're like. What the? What is the value of this? Like, why did people think this was such a big deal? Here's literally what. Here's the one redeeming quality of Last House on, on the Left it is the trailer. The trailer is very effective, you know, particularly for the time period, you know, where it's just like that very sensationalized drive-in thing. Where it's like you know, audiences have been known to die while watching this movie because it is too scary. Just keep repeating to yourself, it's only a movie. And then like that echoes and they just keep yeah. repeating that and don't actually even show anything from the movie. No. You know? It was pure uh, it's just, sensationalism. It's weird too. Like when you see uh, Wes Craven interviews and him talking about the movie, he sort of touches on what motivated him and what the inspiration was to make that movie. But it still is not clear. Yeah. Like, you never really get a good glimpse of, like, what the fuck was up with him when he made that movie. Because he's, like, such a, like, a sensitive, like, intellectual, like, he has the disposition of, like, a poet, right? Right. And he's such a pleasant, like, he looks like a Disney character uh, with his, like, big, like, shining, glistening blue eyes or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's just, like, the disconnect... I could see him making people under the stairs and vampire in Brooklyn, all these other movies, but yeah. And even uh, the Hills have eyes, but the last house on the left is just a real fucking head scratcher. It's, it's completely, it's just like, it's just like, it's not, there's no, nothing redeemable. It's not entertaining. It's not thoughtful. It's just like, it's just a really trashy, like 
murder rape movie that turns into a home invasion movie turns to revenge movie and it's there's nowhere you can say like okay well it's yeah it's trashy but it's exciting it's not yeah it's like filmed well it's not it's acted well it's not like there's nothing going on in this movie Um, yeah there's literally just a couple of upsetting moments and that's it and like you you explained all of the plot points yes i did and like a girl is attacked and then the killers end up in her house and her parents attack the the killers the killers when they realize who they are the hills have eyes is a movie i thoroughly enjoy but not because i think it's a good movie i think it's pretty incompetent and goofy and has a lot of like unintentional laughs and entertainment value there, but it's kind of the same thing. There's a lot of stuff in there that is just like overly done for like, and I'm not like a squeamish person, but I also like, I'm not, I don't get entertained when it's just like shock for the sake of shock or brutality just for brutality's sake. Not, not when it actually serves, it has to serve the story type of thing. And I think what Chris Craven is trying to do in a lot of his movies is make make something really deep. And I think in Last House on the Left and in Hillside Ice, he's trying to make some commentary on like the, the randomness of brutality. And like there's not – it's just – it's not personal and it's not any of these things. It's just this is the way the world is. And I get that that's what he's trying to do, but it's not successful. So in the in the in the in Last House on the Left, it just makes the movie into like a boring trash film and in Hills Have Eyes, it just kind of like makes the movie more complicated and confused and goofier than it already is. Because Hills Have Eyes is pretty fucking goofy. Calvaire is a Belgian movie from about like 2005, 6-ish, about a man who is traveling through the country. His car breaks down by a small inn and out in the countryside. And I don't want to give too much away from the plot, but he ends up staying at this inn and the innkeeper is kind of a little not all there and legitimately ends up thinking that this guy is his deceased wife. So he makes him dress in his wife's clothes and like gives him a haircut and there's weird townspeople just like in the hills have eyes. Yeah, the whole town is very goofy. It's kind of a reverse home invasion movie where it's like he's not invading the home. He's going to stay at this hotel but then he's not allowed to leave he gets invaded by the actual homeowner or inn owner and there's also one of the best impromptu bizarre dance sequences i've ever seen in any movie so like i said i don't want to give too much away because a lot of what makes this movie great is how it unfolds and unexpected things but i think it does a lot of the things that Wes Craven was trying to do in those two movies, but does them so successfully. And to your point earlier, I said I would get to that about how you said he'd beat me up, and I would just say that he would just pay someone to beat me up. I was reading in preparation for this episode, his where he got the idea for The Hills Have Eyes was that he was traveling through a, some like small town in the desert, and one of the town folk like shot an arrow at him, not to hit him, but just to scare him. And he goes, hey, try that again and I'll sue you. And then the town folks goes like, I could kill you and leave you in in an abandoned mind and no one would ever know. So his response to someone shooting an arrow at him was, I'll sue you. So he, if he was around, he would just pay someone to beat me up or sue me for slander. 
he wouldn't he wouldn't come after me himself or would you push him to the to his his limit to his brink and he would find the uh animal savagery within him in order to uh tear you apart yes i have that like power in the hills have eyes i have that the whole point of that movie yes yes absolutely uh, that See, is... i think it was that incident that like he found that rage within him and he was like Man, yes if elliot greenman ever comes up to me and mouths off i'm gonna i'm gonna show him the fucking door i've had gonna, that effect eat on his many lunch. people in life mm-hmm. i'm gonna eat his lunch and twice on sundays or however Fuck, the yeah. phrase goes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> eat his lunch and twice on yeah. sundays <laughs> I like it. I don't know. I'm not familiar with it, but I like it. Yeah. But yes, that would be that would be my choice right there. Two movies replaced by one movie. Um, I have in this for this episode. Obviously, you're you're going next, but I have one more that I talk about after that, and then I'm done. But what do you got, Keith? Oh God. Uh, well, Halloween is coming up. It's this that spooky time of year where department stores put out a bunch of crap that you're gonna buy and then throw away uh when the holiday's over you greedy bastards uh, so in the spirit of that instead of watching something you know fun and enjoyable and whimsical and or s- scary this halloween season why not subject yourself to torture and watch uh hubie halloween <laughs> starring adam sandler Arguably the worst film I've ever seen in my life. A film so mean-spirited and awful and not funny that I couldn't get out of bed for like five days after watching it. Keep in mind, you know, I love a good uh, act of cruelty or a biting remark. I like rude, crude humor I like edgy, like, dickhead humor. I like all that kind of stuff. But this movie is about a town of awful people who are awful to a seemingly uh, mentally deficient man for no reason. All he does is help. And this town is just the dirt worst to this character the entire time hurling things at him while he's riding his bike but he also seemingly has no one to guide him or help him through life and so he just does things without understanding the consequences and ends up causing problems for people there are no winners in this movie everyone is a loser the viewer is a loser this is my like siskel and ebert moment Mm -hmm. uh pointing out that here is a movie that despite its, you know, the people and money involved, it is absolutely not worth watching. If you can explain to me why this is funny, I'll give you $10. But Hubie Halloween is the fucking dirt worst, least fun I have ever had watching a Halloween-related movie. And I have seen some pieces of shit that were far less irritating and frustrating than this movie. So then are you suggesting people watch this as like a social experiment? No, I don't. This is it's something you shouldn't even hate watch. You shouldn't so even wh- just see it to believe it. You should just you- avoid it at all costs. Wait, why are you this telling is, people to watch it? This is worse than Little Nicky. This is worse than uh, fucking 
eight crazy nights. I'll at least give eight crazy nights some credit. That could be a uh, people from a the East Coast in a different region. That might be closer and nearer and dearer to their hearts. And uh, I am totally cool with that. It seems like this reminds me like your recommendation of this seems to me like something Darlene from Roseanne would do. It's like you want to watch a scary movie. It's scary how bad it is. You'll be haunted for weeks. I had the biggest crush on her when I was young. Which era of Darlene? Like the tomboy era or the goth era? Oh, definitely the tomboy one where she was wearing like the really big flannels. Yeah. And like constantly moving her hair out of her face. Mm-hmm. When her and David were going to be like, oh, we're we're moving to New York City to draw comics because we want to be like fucking whatever indie comic person they referenced. Yeah. And I was just like, what the hell? I also hated that they look similar. Like they dressed, oh, really? they dressed alike and they both had curly hair and the same stupid yeah. look on their face. <laughs> that really bothered me. I forgot what I was talking about. Hubie Halloween sucks. You could watch it if you want to fucking hate your life and hate movies and hate Halloween. Okay, that was a that took a that took a dark turn. I hate movie. Hubie Halloween. I don't man. Just fuck that movie. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I I just kind of assumed that it wasn't for me. I just wanted to give it a whirl because I love Halloween and I love. Uh, movies that are set on Halloween and have like neighborhoods full of decorations right, and yes. people wandering the streets doing Halloween things and just that spooky uh, that spooky time of the year but this movie is not about any of that shit it is just about uh, annoying awful people being awful to each other and just it's fucking horseshit. there's a, about a million better movies to watch and one of them is The Midnight Hour so oh, yeah. if you want to be, up. if you want to do the opposite of enjoying your time at the movies, watch Hubie Halloween. If you want to enjoy a fun, spectacular Halloween movie, uh, check out fucking The Midnight Hour or even the Goosebumps movie. The Goosebumps movie is better than Hubie Halloween. Yeah. And uh, I think you can watch Midnight Hour like on YouTube. Like, in its you can in full in like a very good quality. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a totally fun just as you said like neighborhood Halloween type movie. Yeah, people hanging out in town. There's ghost stories. There's zombies. There's a werewolf. There's a Halloween party, a dance number. The vampires. It's great. It's got all the shit, all the shit you want from a Halloween movie, and none of the like sour bad taste in your mouth that Hubie no. Halloween has. Man, it's not even about Halloween. That's what makes me the most irritated. Like, it has nothing to do with Halloween. It's about people just being shitty to each other. And it just doesn't feel good. Hmm. Well, yeah, I guess I'll have to avoid that one. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, like, obviously, like, uh, it's a movie, like, I'm, it's a movie that I might have been inclined to watch based on just the things you said about, like, oh, like, I gave it a shot because it's love Halloween towns and stuff. But the second Adam Sandler shows up and it's a comedy, I'm like, I'm out. I'm not even a, like a total Adam Sandler hater. Like, I think he can do uh, great things when he wants to. But I think I agree with you. He just doesn't ninety nine percent of the time. This was just like a low effort, half assed, just bullshit, bait and switch, yellow bellied, barn raising, corn shooting, hot shotting, no good 
son of a bitch in I mean, well, that's one of the things that's kind of annoying about him, too, is like you just said, he is capable of doing really good things. And, you know, like, did you watch Uncut Gems? Uh, no. he's It's great. He's great in it. I, I like those brothers who directed it. Um, but it also seemed just kind of like a... Like from from Adam Sandler, it seemed like kind of like a fuck you. Just be like, yeah, see, I can make a good movie, but I'm going to subject you to all this other crap. I even heard him like in an interview say something like, if I don't win an Oscar for Uncut Gems, I'm going to make eight more step or uh, what's the grown ups movies. <laughs> and it's just like you're just like spite making movies for like for the lowest effort for money. And like I don't know anybody who actually likes those movies, so. I mean, obviously they must be making money for somebody, but yeah, it seems like he should have like fallen off into like greater obscurity already, you know? Yeah. But whatever. Good for him. He wears giant basketball shorts and walks around town. So yeah, good. he should dress better. He should. Yeah, I guess. He's a, he's a, he's a role model to children. Children are going to be wearing basketball shorts. I mean, he, he, in his defense, he is always playing basketball. That's true. He, he is? He plays a lot of basketball. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, I take it all back. Next movie. Uh, next movie. I got one left. Now, I'm going to preface the saying that I'm not just saying this, making this, choosing these movies to be contrary or be edgy or, you know, anything. I'm not trying to shit on classics just because... But that's all you've done this entire time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really going for it with this next one. Um, this, these are my genuine beliefs coming up, and I'm going to do something similar to what I did with Child's Play, where I am replacing a sequel or a movie with a remake. I am replacing 1977's Suspiria. With 2018's Suspiria. Wow. Get them. Get them. I will. Get them, Jallo fans. People who like Jallo. People who is like it... to explain what Jallo is. I've Go, never. Come, come, I've come never, and get Elliot. Never been like 100% sure how to pronounce that. If it's Jallo or Giallo or. It's Jello. 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 Jello we're going to, from here on out, we're just calling it Jello films. Jello. Jello, the. Classic genre of Italian suspense films. Sometimes there's... The classic genre of shit that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Right? Um, So, original Suspiria, I like that movie. I like a certain era of Dario, or he's the director, Dario Argento, of his movies, just fine. Suspiria is treated like this untouchable classic that you can't say anything bad about. No, no, it's no criticism allowed. If you, if you say something that like that puts down one little minutia of the film, horror movie fans like will throw rotten fruit at you. We, Jello police are here. Yeah, that's right. And Elliot Greenman, come on out. We heard you've been disparaging <laughs> Jello films. But no, seriously, like the way these fucking nerds talk about his movies is as if they're like just like some holy grail of flawless masterpieces, totally, totally invincible from any sort of criticism. What they didn't know is that Dario Argento had a brain tumor the entire time. I mean, I wouldn't be fucking surprised. 
like I said, there's an era of Argento movies that I'm like, yes, these are good. I enjoy them, whatever. But they are not the best movies. They're not the best Italian movies. They're not the best Italian horror movies. They're not even the best movies of this ilk. And I understand it, like, probably for a lot of people, their first exposure to this particular style of film was probably Suspiria um, or a different Argento movie from, from the era. But it's like, it's not even like he came up with something like wholly original because Mario Bava was making movies similar to these prior to him. And it, it's not something that appeared out of a vacuum. Uh, his movies, like you said, like what Giallo, the genre of movies that make no sense. And like, truly they don't, they're very stylistic and have some of these like great set pieces, but like the in-between scenes between the action are often like brutal, like just like dull, poor dialogue about stuff that doesn't matter or mean anything oddly acted Suspiria has great music it has great set design it has great cinematography great editing etc 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 it's moody it's atmospheric it has all these things um but the rest of the movie is in my opinion kind of dull there's a lot of questionable acting bad dialogue parts in it that just go that seem to be in there for no reason and you know there's this was this shift too of like there's the the good era of argento and then all of a sudden he makes starts making terrible movies and part of me wonders you know we've talked about this too before it's like partnerships like is it just the director that's making the movie great like i know we specifically we've talked about like john carpenter and dean cundy and while john carpenter's obviously very talented on his own, like that partnership really like cemented the John Carpenter feel and look because when on the movies where they didn't work together, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. There's a huge distinction there when they're working together versus not. And did Argento have, I'm, I've never really looked into it, but did he have like the same team of people working on, you know, five or six movies in a row? And then the second he switches to a different crew or works with someone else. Is that, is that when his movies started to fall apart completely? Maybe. Like, was he, I have never had that much that level of interest in Jello films that I've yeah. gone down the rabbit hole to research them that in depthly. So, but so that being said, so the basic premise of Suspiria, for those not aware, it's about a dance academy run by witches, a coven of witches, and it's a cool idea. And like I said, the first movie, I like it. It's fine, cool, move on. It's not very witchy though. It's not. It's mostly just that girl getting chased by. That man with the hairy hands. Yeah. And then there's some witches at the end. The 2018 one uh, was a movie that was directed by Luca Guadagnino. I'm not going to pronounce his name right, so forgive me. Guadagnino. He's the right guy who directed uh, Call Me By Your Name. That big hit critically plays critically critically plays praised movie and this was his follow-up and it definitely when i heard about it i was like oh okay this is going to be this is going to be a big thing love it or hate it this is going to be a big thing it's it's directed by this you know you know acclaimed art house director it's going to appeal to people who don't have any knowledge of the original who are like the, the crowd were like well i'll only go see a art horror movie if it's arty you know like the people who will only watch like h24 horror movies which i liked i'm not say anything bad about them just saying like that's a specific very specific thing 
And also like, you know, obviously fans of it are going to go and see it and some will like it, some will hate it, but regardless, love or hate, it's going to be huge. And then it just kind of disappeared. It got a very minimal theatrical release, was bought by Prime, uh, like Amazon Studios. So they put it in a few theaters and then just released it directly to their streaming service. And doesn't seem like anyone really saw it. And this movie is phenomenal. It's so good. It takes the ba- the core of the original Suspiria and builds off of it and does such wonderful things with it. And it, it has all the, the strengths of the original. Great music, great cinematography, great set design, production design, everything, and none of the bad stuff. The original movie is about an hour and a half and feels like two and a half hours to me. This movie, the remake, is two and a half hours and feels like two, an hour and a half to me because it just moves along. The acting is phenomenal. Tilda Swinton plays three different characters in the movie, completely unrecognizable to each other. You would, If you went into it blind, you would not realize that she's playing three characters. And with the exception of one bizarre scene towards the end that kind of looks like a, a Nine Inch Nails music video, I can't say anything bad about this movie. <laughs> I never, I never watched it. No, did you? You've seen the original, though, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think I it was on my radar. I thought the I think the trailer was pretty good, and it's I think it's in a queue somewhere. But uh, I just never got around to watching it, and. Uh, well, I said who's, this Halloween who's season. to say whether I'll I'll end up watching it? You know, some, will, somewhere I'm... in between Black Swan and The Cutting Edge is Suspiria, and uh, who knows if that's a realm of filmdom that I'll I'll end up exploring. But only time will I tell. Think, hey, it's it's Halloween season coming up. Why don't you give it a shot this year? Yeah, maybe. It's much witchier than the original. Like you said, like the first one didn't have enough witches for you. This one's. Which is a poppin'. I want to, I feel like I actually did start watching it and maybe got like 20 minutes into it, but I wasn't in the mood for whatever was happening. I can't remember though. There's a a fantastic subplot uh, where Tilda Swinton plays an old man tortured by ghosts of the past. I don't want to give too much away, but. Tilda Swinton is always, she, it seems like she just like sneaks into movies. Yes. Like she creates a character and just shows up and they're like, well, Swinton's here again. We got to write her into the movie, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) She's always like wearing weird disguises and just like playing these oddball characters. Like in uh, The Dead Don't Die. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen that? I didn't uh, watch it. Bill Murray and Adam Drive. She has the weirdest goddamn character. That movie is so strange. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like I've seen it like three times now and I'm just like, what's going on here? Yeah, I That's, should try. I should. I should get around to watching it. I never. It didn't look great to me, so I was like, "It's, it was one of the... it's not." Mm-hmm. It's that's the weird thing is it's not great, but it's also not terrible. Sure. And it's the kind of thing like you can't, like I just feel compelled to watch it. Well, maybe that should be one that you add Suspiria to the list. I'll add Dead Don't Die to my no, list. No, I am not recommending the Dead Don't Die. Oh, okay. I am not recommending. Formally. Formally. How I want that stricken from the record. Yeah, so there you go. That's my that's my final take on Suspiria. My final take on overrated movies. 
underrated movies to play some. You got any else anymore, Keith? No, I think that's about it for me. But I think this is an interesting experiment. I think we could do it again and probably come up with some uh, even better, even better stuff. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this. Uh, you know, us just sort of pissing into the wind with this concept. But uh, uh, I mean, I love to hear everybody else's ideas too yeah i mean the, yeah you said this we could do this again this could be an annual show like our once a year yeah we'll have everybody dress up in tuxedos and like make a oh, whole yeah. night of it we'll drink champagne and wear oh, monocles and act like we're a hot shit i sold sir your taste in movies is awful you should be watching this instead instead of that claptrap you're always viewing knock it off we'll talk like that oh i'm into this 100 percent well, yeah. Thanks. That's that's about it, I guess. That was that was fun. Um, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> it sounds fun when you put it like that. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it was fun, guys. Don't 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 sit back and lament about the hour and a half or whatever you just wasted of your life. It was fun. You liked it. Yeah, it's only fun if you say it was fun. That's right. I'm never sure if I've had fun until someone tells me. you got to say it out loud to make it real. That's right. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, goodbye. No more shit, movies, Hoobie Halloween, whatever. We're done. Add those movies to your watch list or you're going to be in big, big trouble. That's right. Okay, that's it. Let's get out of here. I'm done. Goodbye. No more movies. Keith, what do you say? This is the most underrated catchphrase in all of podcasting. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everybody. 